Moo and good afternoon. Uh, welcome back to the Pinktron. With us this week, we've got Steve Pritchard. Steve, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm currently on a Thatcher's Haze because I live in the West Country of England. A Thatcher's Haze? Uh, yeah, it's a, a cloudy cider. Nice. Uh, Other cloudy ciders are, of course, available. Chris Greenland's sitting in his car, so I'm guessing he is not on the hard stuff. What do you got today, Chris? <laughs> You'd be wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I am parked for a significant amount of time, and uh, my next meeting is at an account here in Oceanside, California, that has a really nice Blanton single barrel pick. Mm. So before I hopped on here, I nipped inside and had them pour me a little to-go cup uh, to enjoy <laughs> out here in the waiting room, as it were. Um, drink responsibly, everyone. Uh, and I had, I'm Sean, uh, and I've got a kind of a black Manhattan, uh, except with a Añejo tequila instead of the bourbon. So uh, Añejo tequila, some Averna and bitters. And which tequila did we go with? Uh, it's La Gran Señora. I do not know that one. It's pretty tasty. Okay. All right. I think uh, I, I think for fans, before we get into the herd chat, what you've missed uh, before we start recording on the crawl is uh, on the call is uh, Chris's background picture, uh, which is a picture. If you imagine somebody crossed a dating website um, with an alcoholics <laughs> anonymous picture of the before, um, this is Chris standing <laughs> very handsome at the bar. Um, uh, I, I don't know if it's on your link to whatever, Chris, but it's it's an absolutely superb photo, and I'm very jealous. So, anyway, on to bike racing on Zwift. Thank Sorry. You, <laughs> uh, HSRL this week is so HSRL heard Summer Racing League, our weekly points racing series. Uh, this week is on rooftop rendezvous in the in Neokio. Eight laps. Kill me now. Uh, I don't think any of us have done race one, I assume. Uh, but so this this course is a 3.7K loop uh, up and down the rooftop KOM, uh, and it is eight laps. And the rooftop KOM is the timed segment. So there will be eight, eight timed climbs uh, about every five minutes or so. Uh, this is going to be pretty brutal. Marjolein did want to uh, have us point out that uh, at least it's not last year where uh, I think Craig had us do 10 laps. Yes, he did. Of course. So yep. this is the most heard way of describing this course, isn't it? It's like, hit, hit, we're going to do a shit ton of laps, but actually it's a shit ton minus two compared to last time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Could be worse. <laughs> I do remember this last year because I had uh, an internet dropout on one of the climbs in the middle. So I finished the race, but then had to do it again the next day because it's a, such a draftable climb that that result was pretty much garbage. Um, but I did it to get the drops in. Yeah. you're So you're not wrong. This, the climb is 1.9 K at 2.7%. Uh, so it is really not a very steep climb. Uh, a lot of that is due to the uh, that first half, which is just stair steps from like one rooftop to another. So you've got like, you know, 40 meters at 4% and then flat and then 30 meters at 4% and then flat. 
So is that uh, what is it joining rooftops? Is that why they call it the rooftop? I think so. I think you're you're hopping from roof to, rooftop to rooftop up up there. Yeah. Well, I learned something today. Thank you, Sean. Uh, and then the second half of the climb, basically the second K, is pretty steady around four to five percent. Um, but again, still you want to be in the draft, and people will be going hard. But I think this is one where. Uh, you can definitely start off the back a bit and punch back into the group uh, and just try and hold the front near the top uh, to get a good placing. And that top is pretty position. brutal, though. That, that second half gets, once you get into those, like, what are they, little rectangle arches over the roadway, mm -hmm. that's when it gets really brutal and the acid starts to build up. Yes. So we're on, Z, uh, we're on Z map, aren't we, now in HSRL? And I, I think... I was thinking about ZMAP in the week because because I'm really a massive nerd. Um, and I think for this type of climb, where it's in that kind of handfuls of minutes of time, that's where you're probably going to find, I think if you're weaker in your category, it's going to pay you to be near the front early. So stay near the front as early as you can, and then you can sort of slide back through the group as you get to the top of the climb. The converse being true that like if you're really strong in your group, the top of the climb is where you got to make a massive effort because that that's that's where that difference is going to be in ZMAP of people's probably couple of minute power will be fairly evenly matched but as we get to kind of that five six minute power that's where people that's where we'll see the differences in the category now more so than the kind of the 20 minute power so yeah I think it's gonna be interesting actually this one isn't it um it's yeah. uh, I, I really I really like it as a climb <laughs> so climb times uh since there's eight of them I don't think anybody's going to be setting any PRs uh on these climbs uh unless you're really trying to hold the group and it's you know a group that is faster than you usually do these uh efforts but uh just looking at some of the times on strava a's a's are going to be somewhere in the mid high two minute range fast b's in the three minute range so chris you've done a 305 good for me uh Fast C's probably in the three and a half minute range. Uh, D's probably in the four minute range uh, for this climb. So yeah, it it really is a it it it's a climb that is what is your peak Z map in this race is just about how many times can you do uh, that maximal aerobic power every five minutes or so. And for me, when I ride repeats like this, it's like the first and second and third and even fourth ascent i'm riding it with the intention of still having something in climbs five yeah. six seven eight like just so mentally. yeah uh one i i would say this is a race for pacing um stay with the group don't necessarily uh go all out on the first climb um it's you know you might want to do a maximal effort on here but just doing above threshold but something that you'll be able to repeat is probably not a bad idea especially oh sorry go ahead especially because it's so draftable yep and uh with you know different groups getting broken out the back and reformed and categories and being a multi-lap event you'll have the opportunity to be very dynamic in the race and if you do get dropped or do decide to drop back to a different group the 
opportunity exists to maybe latch on to a different paced group or a stronger yeah. group. Yeah. The, the, I think the question here is bike choice. I might go full arrow since it's only 3% climb. TT. TT bike. <laughs> There's every I mean, chance I end up on a TT bike when I forget to change, um, having done the <laughs> TT this week. Uh, 100% pink drawn otherwise, uh, unless I'm Dutch. Yeah. I think pink Tron's not a bad choice. I I think I'm probably going to go arrow, but either way. This yeah, is, what, again, it, sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, again, it's a classic um, look at Zwift Insider and find out what the best aero bike is for you, because actually you can be, if you're relatively even mid-level the tron is probably the might best be the fastest bike you've got access to yeah um if you're a bit higher you can get access to faster aero bikes so yeah uh i think i'm i think i'm level 33 so i think the tron is still a really good aero bike for me i don't think i can get to the disc wheel which is like level 40 or something is it that, that gets you that mega mm -hmm. uh, fast aero stuff so Are i'm also lazy level 33 steve yeah yeah um i just don't ride swift that much <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I started, I started working for a cycling company and, and didn't ride bikes anymore. Um, so no, um, yeah, I think yeah, mid, like the, the the Tron is a really strong aero bike, so it's it's probably the the easiest to access aero bike because it's yep. quite an easy challenge to do. It's easy. It's a challenge you can do that opens up the bike quite early. If you select it as the first challenge you do, you get one of the best bikes in the game for a long time. So. I mean, it might still be the best bike in the game, given how how strong it is on pretty much every course. And it's been scientifically proven to be faster as well, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Pre see say, previous yeah. episodes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on to herd beginner racing, our our D category uh, racing series. Uh, this week it is on Rolling Highlands in Scotland. Uh, let me see how many laps is it? Is it two laps? Uh, one lap, uh, with a 5k lead in 9k lap. So 14k total. Um, I forgot that this has that long, uh, lead in where you do the breakaway Bray one time and then you do a lap and it finishes up the, uh, breakaway Bray again. Oof. Uh, I, I do love this, this course, uh, the, the Scotland stuff I I'm quite a fan of, um, but yeah, rolling all the way around, uh, has the, has that little, uh, steep kick up into the castle with about 2k to go, um, k and a half. So uh, if you are one of the stronger riders, that that could be a place to um, get away and see if you can hold it to the line or at least break your group up. Uh, and then, yeah, it's just a uh, pretty, you know, 600 meter, 2% uphill sprint to the, to the line. How far from uh, that Castle Hill to the finish line, did you say? Uh, it looks like... Uh, it should be about 2k. Got it. Yeah, because that's a wall, right? Yeah. I remember writing that for the first time. Like, that's if you're going to go, that's your spot. 
it's easily the the yeah so it it's seven percent uh average for that wall um which doesn't seem like a lot but i think there are spots on there that are quite a bit steeper yeah yeah um so yeah, I think that could be a place to go. Um, and if you just want to go hard enough to break up the group there, you should be able to thin things down for the final sprint. Yeah, it's a punchy little route, isn't it? Because you have um, actually a fair bit of climbing in the middle as well. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be tough. And then and that that wall's that was the point to to just make a break, isn't it? That's um yeah I, i'm i'm sad I, I literally just got back into the seas uh a couple oh, of weeks ago, so so won't be able to race this one but that looks a really cool ride which i say a lot about i mean i'm a big fan of this series but yeah that's a really cool route this week what bike would we go for on this one? Ooh, I, this is this is tron tron or arrow Interesting. See, I'd be, I'd be wondering whether actually best climber, like because that wall's the bit that's going to make the difference, isn't it? Like, could you keep up in the draft with your best climber and then get enough of a gap up the wall and on the bray at the end? But then the bray is not that steep. Is it's it? only two percent. So, yeah, mm. I I feel like it's even that that little uh, punchy wall into the castle is is so short that even on even on a Tron, you're not losing even a second. Uh, you should be able to hold on to the the draft. Uh, and then your climber is going to be... I mean, it, ideally, you're in a group coming to the finish, and it's about your sprint. Um, in which case, it being on a climbing bike is not, not the way to go. I think the key thing on this, and this is making the assumption that some of the D's that, that may listen are, are slightly newer races is that you need to be spinning up your power before you hit that wall. So this is, it's always a classic through the S's, isn't it? In, uh, in Watopia that you like, you need to spin your power slightly before you hit the lumps and the same with the intestines in France to make sure that you're hitting really good power numbers as you hit that steep bit. And that's, what's going to bump you to the front and, uh, and make you do well so it's the same with this you've got a bit of a descent and i mean i've been caught out by this so like you sort of chill out in the descent on the group and then you hit the wall and everyone else is doing more power than you, you get spat out of the back so yeah yeah uh, a bit of bit of course knowledge is really going to help here isn't it all right uh moving on to herd of mountain goats the uh well this is a climbing series where it's not just about the climb but it's always finishing at the uh end of a climb uh, this week's route is Climber's Gambit. Uh, so you go out, kind of easy start, uh, flat through uh, the point where you get to Titan's Grove Reverse. You do the Titan's Grove Reverse, come back down out of uh, Titan's Grove, and then you do the Epic KOM Reverse uh, for the finish. So finishes on a 20-ish uh, minute, 20 to 30 minute climb, depending on, you know, what your category is. Uh, and this is the the harder direction of the Epic KOM, uh, where it's it's 6K, 6%, uh, but most of the climbing is actually steeper than 6%. There's several little flat parts or little descents. So most of the actual uh, climbing is at somewhere around eight, nine, 
even 10%. Um, yeah, there's good chunks of 10 to 12 in there. I've noticed. Chris, I'm assuming this is not your favorite course. Uh, the first half is. Big fan of the first half. Uh, that's when I sell out on Titans Grove Reverse and then Gruppetto up. Yeah, I remember uh, racing this in uh, ZRL, and that was absolutely my plan. I think I got the the fastest time up Titans Grove Reverse and then uh, ended up in like 30th or something on the climb. Yep, punch your ticket for the back and, and hop on the bus. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is not that race. This this race is all about uh, finishing finishing position and how how much you've got in the tank for that climb. So uh, unlike a lot of these courses where, you know, this has a lot of flat, but all of the difference is going to be made on that climb. I think that it is not a bad idea to ride a climbing bike on this. Uh, yeah, 20, uh, so it's 28K has uh, 670 meters of climbing, most of that coming uh on titans or on epic kom oh so this is a scratch race not the yes. segment yeah yeah, yeah. so, so draft, draft is turned on uh you want to stick with that group and from there on out at least for me the way i ride that is just ride to my power from the base of epic reverse to the top and if i yeah. pass people so be it but yeah, that's it's it's a classic that. ftp test of a climb isn't yeah. it like, yeah, yeah this is definitely not one where it's it's steep enough that the draft doesn't matter a ton anyway uh and if there are people who are stronger than you in that group uh trying to follow them might just blow you up so uh you know if if you've been watching the tour do a do a kwiatkowski and uh just stare at your head unit <laughs> let them go and pull them back later in the climb if they've gone too hard the, the possible exception being those little dips and descents within the climb. If you can latch onto a wheel and get a little slingshot out of that, that might save you a few watts. It's not going to leapfrog positions, but it might keep you a little fresher on a few yeah. different steps coming out of it. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, stampede this week. So uh, we are still on hiatus with Climber's Gambit, meaning all of the Climber's Gambit times are now stampede times. So you've got Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to do stampede. Uh, this is We're doing the four-week GC for stampede. Uh, so if you, if you missed Tempest Fugit last week, like I did, uh, you will not Ooh. be in the GC. Uh, oh, was that, was it rough? I threw up in my mouth afterwards. Yeah. I mean, that's not new. That's true. <laughs> when I hit the limit, that's when I know I'm breaking through limits is when I vomit in my mouth or in my driveway. Uh, but yeah, quick programming note, Climbers Gambit, the series will be back after this four week stampede blitz. So yeah. Are we, are we switching stampede off and doing Climbers Gambit only at that point? Ooh, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. I don't know the okay. answer to that, but we will be back at least in a climber's gambit series. Yeah, I like the I like the the possibility of switching those off because it it seems like all the people who do climber's gambit are like, okay, well now we'll do some stampede. Uh I'm I'm definitely gonna ride stampede and haven't I, I don't do that normally. Um Same. so stampede this week is 
two laps of Volcano Circuit. I think in total, it's somewhere around 10 or 11 kilometers. Now, let me just check real quick. Uh, it's 10.4K. Uh, so it's a 2.8K lead in, and then you have two laps of Volcano Circuit. Uh, and it is the direction where you don't have the big kick up into the volcano near the end. Uh, so you, yeah, it's the opposite direction. You do so that. That means you have the kick in like the S form in the other direction, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, 10K, uh, it should be somewhere in the 15, let's say 12 to 20 minute range for most for most people. Uh, so again, this is going to this is going to hurt. Uh, it's it's not quite an FTP test, but in some ways that that makes it uh, you don't have to hurt as long, but you might hurt more. This is the one I found really hard. So it kind of actually a, like weirdly, I find FTP tests quite easy in a way that like I know I like I know I can sit there. So something like Bologna, I always find really hard because like that's a, like over under. So I need to go up to a climb and then I need to go over and I'm never sure how much over I can go. And the same with this, like I, I know I'm going to have to do more than my FTP to do this kind of time of effort. And I just don't know what that is. So I'm kind of in guessing land and it's very easy to either finish thinking, oh, I've not given it everything. And like the last minute you give a lot and kind of think mm, i've probably left that a bit late or it's very easy to or absolutely five, five blow minutes up. at the end yeah so really <laughs> suffering so it's, it's a kind of classic chris boardman principle of like if you think you're going too fast you're going too fast if you think you're going too slow you're going too slow if you don't know you're probably doing the right speed but yeah it's really hard pacing this one um so there's uh phil guyman has a you know he, he's former pro YouTuber now uh, who does a lot of, he goes out and he just races his bike up mountains as fast as he can to try and get Strava KOMs. Uh, but you learn a lot about pacing on that, which is uh, he, he breaks things up into thirds. And for the first third of your effort, he's thinking easy. You should feel like you are going you aren't going fast enough. Like I, and then the, the, the second third, you should be feeling like, hold it. All right. Like, uh, and then the last third is just whatever you have left. Uh, but that, that first third, I think is the point where people make the mistake and go out too hard. Uh, and don't know that like, you know, I've only got 12 minutes, like, I, or no, 15 minutes whatever that's definitely been my experience of tts on the road that like you are like with me i'm quite excited to be doing a race yeah kind of there's a bit of adrenaline there and i've made the mistake of like flying and i'm not going fast enough I'm, like up through the gears and then paying for that later on so i've learned that actually with a flattish tt i have a gear that i push and it's going to feel easy at the start and I know it's going to feel hard at the end. So yeah, it's in, it's interesting to like. And I'm, I mean, I'm fat and slow around TT, so uh, it's interesting to see like Phil, proper cyclist, uh, similar principle there. So that's cool. 
All right. Uh, moving on to Bullseye, the points race uh, sprints every lap um, with the time across or not the, not the time on the segment, but your position across the sprint line every lap mattering. Uh, so this course is the Fan Flats uh, with a sprint on, on um, oh wait, did I, am I looking at the wrong one? No, that's right. Uh, it's the fan flats and uh, a sprint across Monument Avenue uh, every lap. So five laps, six sprints. And it's that downhill uh, version of the Monument Avenue sprint. So it's the one where I think you go around the hairpin uh, and then have the sprint. Interesting route interesting yeah. i mean it, it feels like it's going to be pure sprinter but so you you're going to do roundabout cobbled section hairpin yep. sprint and i think there's an opportunity to gas people at the roundabout as you hit the cobbles because the pack will slow and most people will keep, keep their watts the same the result rolling resistance goes up pack goes down i think there could be an opportunity to like you're not going to do this every lap because people will start watching you for it. But on a lap or two, give it full beans there and then hold your power for a minute and say to people, Hey, you're going to chase me. Um, and yeah. if you're not, if you're not a pure Watts, like 15 second effort sprinter, that could be a good tactic to get you ahead and get some position. I mean, I, this is why I like the bullseye because actually I'm, I'm not a sprinter. I'm not, I can't sit in a bunch and just out sprint people. So I have to think of ways that I'm going to, basically pinch positions off people every so often um so this one could be a, like actually go a little bit long big effort to get ahead over the cobbles when the pack slows down and then just try and hold an effort through to the banner let the group catch you up and then you just gotta sit maybe take the hit on the next sprint that you're you're gonna lose sprinters that you'd lose to anyway so i think yeah, the, I the danger of that is if you don't get enough of a gap and they sprint through you and then you're gassed to try and catch the group. Um, I I think that the fact that they're sprinting, even if they get a gap in front of you, as long as you can keep holding your effort, you should be able to latch back on. But that is a danger of having the, them just fly through you. If you if you're watching the the tour and you see the you know the break uh, come through you know the the sprint the sprint trains come through the break at the end the the people in the break don't have anything left right uh um oh, one of the guys who I, who I met filming last year um is quite a good cyclist and, and sprints for his team like he's semi-pro and he does something like 1600 watts and the guy he he went up against a guy who is a pro lead out he does 2000 watts in his lead out and they basically cycled side by side and they showed you the difference between 2000 watts and 1600 watts. And it's just crazy how much of a difference it makes. So those guys are going quick yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, it's the same into it. Like the, the, the top sprinting guys are hitting over a thousand watts quite easily. Yeah. Um, even in like D's where I, where or C's where I'm racing and I'm like, I'm lucky if I get like 800, like it's. Yeah. So it turns out that, uh, the the sprint numbers don't change that much across categories right like if you can sprint you can sprint even if you're even if you're a d right uh you still have the numbers it's it's more about fatigue and fatigue resistance and how much you still have 
at the end of a race. But fresh, I'm sure a lot of a lot of D's could do the numbers that like beyond what most A's can do. Um, you just kind of have it or you don't. Uh, but there is that, you know, some some of those sprinters don't have the numbers to to hold an effort uh, over a minute, like you said. This is where, like, again, I like the bullseye because it is first across the line. So um, you can make a breakaway. Like I've I've seen this happen in races where somebody has gone gone and mopped up all of the points, and everyone sort of sat looking at each other. You can look at each other on Swift, but kind of proverbially looking at each other and. Nobody's chasing this person's you basically time truck time yeah. truck around the course and and got first place every time and they've not sprinted for any of the segments. Uh, yeah. So yeah uh, it's, uh... it's what classic group two syndrome. Like nobody wants to be the one to do the work to bring that break back because then they don't have a sprint. And when the whole thing is about those sprints and you've got to do several of them, it's it's worse. So there's probably there is although fan flats is called the flats there is a little kind of two percenter isn't there which um there is yeah. i'm trying to think you can that's always one again you can get a little bit caught out on that and i have in the past of just sitting and resting and then suddenly the group's gone and you've got to do a big big effort to get back on so that's where like steve like you were talking about you look at the route profile and it's pretty pan flat right but you do have the cobbles which increase the rolling resistance and you do have the u-turn which pinches speed so there are those points where if you ride intelligently especially with the new pack dynamics you can get away and grab a banner or two i've actually really enjoyed the new pack dynamics because i think it's really yeah. opened up the ghost um it was one of the tiny races i did so they're a bit shorter so like actually doing a kind of slightly more panache laden attack and trying to hold an effort for a few Ks is possible. Um, and I've, what I've noticed is actually the variability, in Ds, the variability in the pack speed seems higher. So if you can catch that moment where nobody really wants to be on the front, so like it just the, the kind of churn works the other way, that everything slows down, and that's the moment you hit, you kind of sense everyone slowing, you're suddenly having to hold a lot lower, what's per kilogram to stay in the group. That's the moment to go. Especially you if you're slingshotting through from the, from the back. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, and another tick to the Zwift team for for doing cool things with the pack dynamics. I think Steve Panashard. <laughs> Panashard, that would be. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's the races this week. Uh, we do just want to point out what next week's races are going to be. So next week we have in HSRL Island Hopper. Uh, which is, let me see how many laps here. Uh, two laps. Is that right? It says Island Hopper, two laps, eight sprints. Oh, okay, yeah, there are there are four sprints a lap. Uh, I can't tell which is which because on the, so it's boardwalk sprint, tide pool sprint, shisa sprint, tide, tide pool sprint. So you do the tide pool sprint twice per lap. Uh, the Shisa sprint is after doing the climb uh, up to the uh, up doing the Shisa climb. But yeah, so it's uh, basically doing all of the Warakazi roads. Um, and yeah, doing a whole bunch of sprinting. 
Uh, That's going to be, be a route badge for me. Apparently, I don't have that badge It'll yet. be 36K, so a sprint every 4 to 5K. Um, this one will hurt. Hopefully, the uh, pack dynamics means that the group is really chilling in between all of the sprints. But it also, it well... I was going to say this is a big problem, though, isn't it? I, so I did the TTT with uh, Herd Royalty and, and now Zwift Royalty, James Bailey, um, on Thursday, and he was saying with our hill climb series, he's putting pacer bots in there that basically shout at you, "This is these are the rules of the race," and loads of things, loads of big sort of banners that are saying, "This is the rules of the race." And that's yeah, smart. We'll still see it. We'll still see it with every race. And he said the problem they still have, people don't get. That like, well, I finished first. Swift told me I finished first, and it's like, no, you didn't do the fastest time in the segment. And like, if we could, if there was a way <laughs> of telling people the rules, and this would be what happens on these. It's like there will be some people who just don't understand that it's a effectively a points race as much as it is a scratch race, and we'll and we'll make the bits that aren't meant to hurt still hurt. Yeah, uh, I don't know what. Yeah, there. At some point, you just say, like, let them go. <laughs> uh, and they will anyway. Like, Bowser and I were in the, uh, I think it was Sunday's hill climb event, and we had the pacer bots. And first of all, the pacer bots just keep talking the entire time. Like, I wish they were a way to mute the pacer bots. And then they, as soon as the banner drops, they, they take off at 13.5, like the little rabbits at the, the Greyhound track, and people just chase the pacer bots. And you're like, yeah. See ya. I'm, all the pacer bot commentary is in English. Um, I get that's the language of the Peloton, but maybe we need to have some Spanish and some French uh, and some Chinese, Japanese, Mandarin speaking pacer bots as well. I mean, is that is that true? I don't know if they if they uh, translate for if you have. Oh, maybe your... depending on your home language. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, Put it in the comments. I don't know. Again, English speaking primarily, it so it all showed it up in English. It does come back to what is a semi-continuous rant for me about Swift, that Swift needs to embrace the game with racing a bit more, in that if you play any game, you have a tutorial. Uh, usually if you complete the tutorial, you get a cool thing. So could there be like a cool bike that you get at like level one? um that you only get if you do the tutorial so like it gives you an advantage of doing the tutorial and in like in this you could race against purely pacer bots and you could take it it would take you through a race be like this is how the draft works this is how the power-ups work so it takes you through a sprint segment takes you up a climb gives you a chance to break away with a ghost or something maybe maybe just introduces like van aero and feather as the like three core power-ups and then in an ideal world talks to you about maybe three different types of races so things that are first things that are points based and you have first across the segment versus fastest through the segment things that are purely scratch based so it's the first to get to the line uh, and it, it, if it walked you through all of those and then in companion app made it really clear like color code and, some kind of system and in the game like shows you if it's a points yeah. race shows you the points leaderboard exactly. and things like if, that if, yeah. if i play call of duty i know if i'm playing a capture the flag type game i know if i'm playing like i just amass the most type, yeah. type of kills type game like it's really clear in the ui how that's going through and i think i think that's where like swift could learn like it's, i understand why swift swift 
shies away from gamification because it gets attacked on people for saying, oh, it's, it's a game, it's a cycling simulation. Um, but like, it's that, both, that's though, one thing. right? It is, yeah. And that's one thing where I think any of them, any Swift, Ruby, all these people could learn from, actually. Yes, it is a simulator. But even if you play Flight Simulator, like the, the, that's a simulator. There's still tutorials. There's still, <laughs> you could still do easier things and harder things and learn about how to play the game yeah. um, through these mechanics. So anyway, I'll step away from the soapbox and rant. Uh, and You're not the now. only one who, like is constantly ranting on here about Zwift being bad as a game. <laughs> well, in order uh, to have those tutorials, you need to have those metrics in the game first. And I feel like yeah. the way we're being measured is exists in this fourth dimension that, that Zwift yeah. at this moment does not recognize. But hopefully there is an end-of-life protocol for Zwift power, God willing. I, I mean, I, I'm hugely optimistic about that because if yeah. you look at like Zwift really like from from the promotion they give it they really love the swift racing league and the swift racing league is not just a scratch game so i i think they would love it if people didn't go to swift power they they don't want people to go off like no app nobody designs an app like no social media platform nobody designs that explicitly with thinking well you need to go off our app they want you to like it's user time in there like they don't want you to go and explore somewhere else and like swift are exactly the same so I think the fact that they've got ZRL and they kind of commit to that product is really heartening. Um, I hate to say this about him because because I love to tease him, but I think the fact that James is there and developed a load of these things and, and is plugged into the community kind of gets that. So there's a voice kind of on the inside fighting for, for us who are keen on, on racing as well is is really good. So Yeah, I mean, they, they have uh, incorporated a lot of the her developed racing styles uh, as... You know, the, there's the women's racing series. There's the hill climb series now. The so time uh, trial series. It's yeah. Like, if you think about Stampede, women's racing, uh, climbers gambit are all yeah. in the Zwift in the Zwift kind of hierarchy. You know, it's really cool. Yep. Um, just briefly, uh, her beginners racing next week uh, is going to be on TikTok. Uh, that is a pretty regular course, um, like once a month. It looks like. Uh, so you know the course if you've been racing it. It's you just go out through the desert, uh, go up the Col du Saddle Springs, back through Ocean Boulevard, and then finish at uh, the uh, Fuego Flat Sprint. Uh, so about twenty k. Yeah. Uh, all right. So around the horn, uh, I've. Today is, I think, a very big day in American cinema. We've got the Barbenheimer uh, double feature that I'm going to be heading off to shortly, watching both the Oppenheimer Christopher Nolan opus and the Greta Gerwig Barbie movie. Uh, so got me thinking about uh, whether we've got any favorite cycling films. I know that uh, Steve has has some ideas. Yeah, definitely. So I, it, I, I'm going to pick one, one from fiction and one from nonfiction. Um, uh, we're not really fiction. Both both are nonfiction, but um, uh, and then one that links to Barbie. Um, so the Flying Scotsman, uh, John Lee Miller, who 
people will know from probably train spotting he was in before mm. um is a biopic bio about graham obrey who i think is quite famous in the uk for being a bit of a crazy scottish inventor who made a bike out of his washing machine and took the hour record with it um that i think that's quite a cool film and well put together um icarus um for those of you who haven't seen it is a uh docu documentary about a chap who um basically tries to dope to do better in the attack um this one day sportive that recreates a tour de france stage and un accidentally unveils a massive doping program in russia um <laughs> so it's 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 a brilliant word like as a filmmaker it's kind of like shit you accidentally unveiled this massive story making what was a kind of quite quite sort of like uh under the radar documentary and to finish on pink the one i haven't watched uh is the pantani there's pantani doc the accidental death of a cyclist i love marco pantani definitely one of my heroes growing up as a cyclist and i really want to go and watch that one um so yeah i've given you three there but yeah three two 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 great films and one i want to watch chris any uh any cycling media you uh want to plug i forgot about the icarus one i did watch that and that was really good um the uh, the Netflix documentary I enjoyed from uh, you know a, a fan filmmaker's point of view, but I felt like they well, I mean I devoted two years of I'm sorry two days of my life to watching the Colder Granon stage last year, um, and that was probably the pinnacle of cycling strategy and Tour de France. Um, cycling uh in my mind and i feel like that was underserved in the netflix unchained documentary as well as the uh like the handshake wasn't even recognized uh at the end and i don't know if that was a function of like uae not being part of it but unchained was good uh but knowing and having watched the the actual tour, tour start to finish last year yeah like i feel like it was underwhelming um but from a new to the sport perspective i feel like it would have been fine uh but for me it, where it, i sit there were a few things left out it, it was interesting so i think one of the early episodes is with alperson de Kernick, and it ends up being an episode about julian Alaphilippe. and i feel like they went there wanting a cavendish story and not really getting one um so that, well cavendish oh, we, wasn't we, even mentioned right yeah like, exactly we've, yeah. we've spent all this time with them oh, we need something okay it's going to be going to be this and, I, and yeah. I kind of wonder if like some of the some of the narrative was because that kind of almost predetermined uh and that's what cost them kind of mi missing out on some of those key points but i'm amazed you say that as a uh being a from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, I just thought the the pinnacle of bike racing was uh, Lance Armstrong giving the look and then attacking. I think about Dewis, wasn't it, uh, for one of his wins? But... Well, it was until last year, yeah. yeah. Say what you like about all the doping and cheating and shit. Um, watching them essentially sprint up the Alp full of Epo was exciting bike racing. Yeah, um, I mean... That, that's my yeah. controversial opinion on it. Similarly, I think that the Floyd Landis, uh, like losing several minutes and then attacking solo from like 90k like this is the same the same argument that you get about baseball like there is something amazing about watching people dope to the gills do amazing things <laughs> yeah listen i live in san diego uh and we built peco park to basically be the barry bonds proof park 
and he still jacked homer after homer out of this place <laughs> so that was impressive to watch uh i think my uh two big ones uh the one that I that I have heard lots of good things about and still haven't seen, but it's on my list is American Flyers. Uh, so Kevin Costner movie. Uh, I don't I've, I've heard a lot of good things. Um, it's about a bicycle race across the Rocky Mountains, um, but a guy with a brain aneurysm that like apparently. Yeah, uh, the thing that I loved it's stupid as hell but it's hilarious uh was called tour de pharmacy uh it was from 2017 and it's a mockumentary in the style of like spinal tap but the spinal tap about the tour de france uh it's the lonely island guys that uh that i think wrote it uh it's one of the guys who's in it is adam sandberg so it's adam sandberg orlando bloom uh, John Cena, David Diggs, as the the idea of it is that the there's a doping scandal so big that all but like five or six of the people get kicked out of the tour, uh, and then there it's the story of the these six people racing across, you know, racing the Tour de France in like the early '80s, uh, and has a just amazing uh, Lance Armstrong uh cameo uh in which he is talking about doping but you can and he's you know you know you're not going to be able to tell who i am right but they've like got his like full face on <laughs> yeah uh well, love that movie definitely gonna have to check that out I, I, just reading the synopsis like that's some of the cheating that goes on this is what's great about cycling like quite a lot of that's actually happened in cycling like people used to drink carver before they went on climbs the euphoric effect one of the early tour de france people to be kicked out got on a train um <laughs> and was caught getting a train and cheating on the stage to, to get kicked out so like you know kind of parrot parody <laughs> like beyond parodies and the stuff yeah uh all right so uh We've, now we've got a uh, heard recommended uh, cycling media suggestions. Definitely makes me think. Next time we need to we need to chat a heard reading list actually because uh, yeah, there's some cool books out there as well. But and it would be yeah. remiss for me not to say there are loads of great films available on GCM Plus. Uh, if anyone's uh, so interested as well, great documentaries. Uh, as a subscriber, I totally agree with that. There's some really good stuff. You know. Yep. All right. Thank you to Steve Pritchard. Thanks to Chris Greenland. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Right. Hey.